0: psalm 92 it is good to give thanks to the lord to sing praises to your name most high to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp to the melody of the lyre for you o lord have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands i sing for joy how great are your works o lord your thoughts are very deep THE the DULLARD CANNOT KNOW, THE STUPID CANNOT UNDERSTAND THIS. THOUGH THE WICKED SPROUT, LIKE GRASS, AND ALL EVIL DOERS FLOURISH, THEY ARE DOOMED TO DESTRUCTION FOREVER. BUT YOU, O LORD, ARE ON HIGH FOREVER. FOR YOUR ENEMIES, O LORD, FOR YOUR ENEMIES SHALL PERISH, ALL EVIL DOERS SHALL BE SCATTERED. BUT YOU HAVE exalted MY HORN LIKE THAT OF THE WILD OX. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap showing that the lord is upright he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him
1: we welcome you today to Westing park baptist church on this thanksgiving sunday the leaves are changing the air is a bit fresher Um, the beauty of god's creation is seen, get down into the Humber Valley there, it's, uh, it's really quite beautiful. So we give praise to God and thank Him for all of His goodness. For the last number of weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. And for this Thanksgiving Sunday, I'm going to take a break, and we're going to look at one of the Psalms, Psalm 92. And then next week, we'll pick up again on our series of the Beatitudes. Uh, giving thanks to God for all of his goodness. Interesting that this psalm is actually cited as a song for the Sabbath. It's uh, the only psalm that has that title. So it's peculiar in that way, a song for the Sabbath. And it it reminds us that the Sabbath, you know, we, we live in this circular time uh, not a flat line time where every day is the same, but it's it's circular. It's of the week, and the Sabbath returns every seven days, and it's it's meant to be um, a, a cathedral in time, as Abraham Heschel says. So it's a reminder of God's presence with us. So even in a virtual way, when we we stop and pause and reflect on God's Word it's, it's an opportunity to uh, perceive the presence of God with us. It's, it's, it's a cathedral in time. It's a, an act of mindfulness, of uh, calming down and receiving what God has for us. So we can do that virtually, and of course we can do that in presence as well. So for the last few weeks we've had a live service out in the parking lot. And as we've had that, it it has struck me that this is a word of witness to the community. You know, it's a bit unusual to have our services outside. C.S. Lewis writes in his little book, Reflection on the Psalms, that uh, going to church, just going to church, is an act of witness to the broader community. As you go to church, as you walk the streets of Weston, maybe carrying your Bible, that is a word of witness. And certainly when we're in the parking lot and we have our whole service there, music and reflections together, that that is a time of witness. And so there is that benefit. We want to be inside together, but there is the benefit of having a word that's visible to the broader community. And so this song of the Sabbath, that's partly what's in the mind of the writer here, that the people gather on this day in the temple and give their praise to God. So that, it's a Sabbath song. And so with that in mind, we uh, look at the psalm and read the first uh, few verses Divides into three parts, and verses one to five is a call to praise. So it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy the psalmist writes. It is good to praise the Lord. Psalm 33 says it is fitting to praise the Lord. That Hebrew word good, tov, is good, it's appropriate, it's healthy, it's fitting. That it's good for us to take a time out and together, individually and corporately, give praise to God, the psalmist is saying. It is good to praise the Lord. It is good to live with a thankful heart. It is good to live in a spirit of gratitude and not to live as victims that the whole world is out to get me, but for you and myself to have a consciousness that God is with us and to give thanks for that, to give praise. So as we begin, we'll notice the repetition of the the name the Lord, uh, Yahweh, Jehovah. God's name comes throughout the entire psalm. At some seven times, our eyes are focused on him. That's what the psalmist is saying. We are giving thanks to the Lord for his goodness. It's not, we're not looking at ourselves. We're not looking at you know, how well we are doing or how much commendation we are receiving. It's not about that. It is about the Lord It is good to praise the Lord. It is good to focus on Him. And we do that with a thankful heart. There is a song that comes out of the black church called People Get Ready, and I I really like this uh, refrain. It goes this way, people get ready, there's a train a-coming. You don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. You don't have to have any special baggage or anything else. You get on in faith and thank the Lord. That's the spirit of thanksgiving. People get ready. In verse 2 it says, In the morning we give God praise for his steadfast love, and in the evening we give him praise for his thankfulness. That's a nice cycle for the day. In the morning, to be conscious of God's steadfast love. In the evening, to be mindful of his faithfulness. And the writer is saying, we sing this and we use our instruments in giving praise to God. The instrument of the lyre, where lyre, is used here. It's the same instrument that David played when Saul, King Saul had his headaches and he needed David to make music to calm his mind and to draw down the pain levels of migraines. David would do that. So it begins with this call to praise. And you'll note in verse 4, it's to praise God for his works and for his deeds. In verse 4 it goes, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. And so the conjunction for gives gives the turnaround why we praise. We're called to praise for what? For God's deeds, for his works. And when that that word is used, deeds or works, in, in the Psalms, it's meaning God's works in creation, in bringing his creative powers to display for us to enjoy his creation. And then also his work in history. And for Israel, that was God's redemption, uh, deliverance from the land of Egypt and the land of slavery and oppression. It's it's a praising God for his creation and his action in our lives. Salvation history. This week I was down at uh, the farm, Rebecca and Simon's farm, for a couple of days. Beth's sister Elaine is... Here from Seattle, so she wanted to see it. So we took her down there, and while I was working on the sermon, it was interesting, I was just looking out on the field, and just in front of me, blue jays kept coming. And I started counting them. A group of six would come in, and then they would fly away, then another group of six would come in. I saw, I estimated, 40 to 50 blue jays in a matter of a minute. And I can tell you, I've never, ever seen that before, a flock of blue jays, if you like, just coming in and out and and, this beautiful blue bird flying and resting on the trees, coming in, flying, moving about. and It reminded me of God's handiwork in creation in just this tiny little way, one one species of blue chip. But it's not just creation, it's also history, salvation history. So I often ask my students up at Tyndale, I'll ask them, when did God break into your family history? Are you the first one in your family to become a Christian? Were your parents? Were your grandparents? Where did that break come so that you might know the Lord? That's that's salvation history. That's the line that the writer's talking about. To praise God for his works and also for what he's doing in these days. Verse 5, how great are your works, how profound your thoughts. Beautiful. Your work and your thoughts, looking up at the Milky Way at night and seeing the planets and seeing the stars, the depths of God's thoughts. Ephesians talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ, that we can never search out all the riches of Christ. It's, It's an eternal process of knowing and experiencing God. So the psalmist begins in praise, and certainly that's a statement for us in Thanksgiving, to be mindful of who God is and to give Him thanks. People get ready. You come on board by faith, by saying yes with a thankful heart. That's the invitation. So not to live our lives as victims, but to live our lives mindful of God's goodness and presence. In our lives, we do that individually and corporately each Sabbath. So the writer begins. So, giving tireless praise, that's the invitation. So, only you know that for your life. Is there this stream of praise or is there a stream of complaint? Our decision, our action. Psalmist goes on and he says, the dullard cannot know this, the stupid cannot understand this. Wow, that's strong language. Though the wicked sprout like gla- grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever, but you, conjunction again, but you, O Lord, are on high forever. And I think these middle verses, I'm just citing verses six to eight here, it's, it's, a, it's a call to live with awareness Or do we live with unawareness? That's really what it's about, awareness or unawareness. And when the psalmist in the NRSV refers to the dullard, that has nothing to do with IQ or how smart somebody is. Somebody could be a genius, but the psalmist is perhaps calling them a dullard. And the, the reason why is that the person chooses to live with no awareness and no relationship with the Creator. We are creatures... And we choose not to engage the creator. That, that's, that's what the psalmist is saying. You are living with unawareness. In the old language of the Proverbs, it's, it's the person who does not fear God who is a fool. It's the same way, nothing to do with IQ. So do we live aware of the, of the dynamic of creation and of our world and of our universe that God is our maker and he is there for us and we are his creatures or do we live with unawareness which is that it's just a computer on and a computer off and no more than that. For the writer of the Psalms that's living with unawareness. And so the invitation here in these middle verses is to enter into this dynamic of knowing and receiving God. It sort of peaks with verse 8, which says, But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Forever and forever, you are there. We come and go. Humanity comes and goes. Peoples come and go. But God is on high forever. Lord, 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 the Most High God creating us. And so the invitation is indeed to live in this I-thou relationship, as Buber wrote many years ago, to be in a relationship with Creator, to know Him as Creator and as Savior, as Redeemer, as Shepherd for us. The Lord is my Shepherd. To live in that dynamic and to get on board by faith. People get ready. And we demonstrate that by saying thanks Give thanks. Praise God for what he has done. So living with awareness or unawareness, living with mindfulness. And I I would say that that if you choose, as you choose to live mindfully, whatever your history is in terms of knowing God. You might come from a family where that that, that language is never used, ever. But if, if you press forward in a position of mindfulness, of listening, of value in silence, of sitting in quiet, I believe that ultimately, ultimately, we will break into a relationship with the one who calls us into mindfulness. It may not happen quickly. Things happen over seasons, over years. But mindfulness will enable us eventually to hear God's voice and to experience his presence in whatever language you choose to use. Firmly believe that. So living with awareness, not unawareness. To go through your day with awareness, not unawareness. That's the invitation. So to praise God, to live with awareness. And then thirdly, the psalmist ends, and he ends quite joyfully and positively that as we do so, our lives will benefit. We will experience benefits by having a grateful and thankful heart and giving praise to God. So I started verses 12 to 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. God is so so good to us, we sing. You are so, so good. No unrighteousness in him. He is faithful to us, merciful, steadfast love. He is there for us morning and evening. That's where the psalmist ends this piece. And so four benefits, I would suggest, three and one with a, a so what at the end the righteous will flourish. We, the psalmist says, the righteous will flourish. Be like the palm or cedar trees. In the Baptist Center in Cochabamba, it's a compound, and it's interesting, right in the middle of the compound, there's this big palm tree, a big old palm tree that's been there for many years. Folk who have been down with us from the church have seen that palm tree. It's, it's, It's meant to be In Scripture, to be a sign of stability and of strength, of being tall. Palm trees can live several hundred years, cedar trees even more. There's a cedar tree outside of Sucre, which is an ancient tree, living tree, that is over a thousand years old. These trees are strong. So they talk about stability and security and longevity, not like the grass note in verse 7, which comes and goes but the righteous will flourish. And when the psalmist is saying that, he is not espousing a prosperity gospel. It has nothing to do with with, so you'll make lots of money and you'll live in a big house and drive a big car. That's not what flourishing is about. Flourishing is knowing God's strength and meaning and purpose in your life, that you live with purpose. You live with meaning. You are like this palm or cedar tree, flourishing in that sense. And that moves on to the second point that that such people, when we live in relationship with God, there is an ongoing vitality or freshness. Note verse 14, in old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, a verdancy, a dynamic, not static. That's the image that is used here. God's vitality, God's freshness in our lives. Jesus says if we say connected to the vine that we will bear fruit. The branches stay, stay green. They are fruitful. They are productive. Vitality, freshness. Isaiah reminds us, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's an image of knowing God's strength and vitality through all the seasons of our lives. Physically, we may grow weaker, but spiritually, we don't grow weaker at all. Spiritually, we can become stronger, even though physically we're tired. Such is the image that is used by the psalmist. And then thirdly, the the impact of that is that there is a spiritual strength, a spiritual stamina, that our roots go down deep. There is an enlivening power to know God in this way. We stay connected to him and to one another. When I was out west this summer in, in the rainforest on, on Vancouver Island, it was pointed out to me that the trees, these massive trees, actually help each other stand, help each other grow because the root system of the forest is all mixed together. It's not just one tree. How could this massive tree continue to stand? Well, it continues to stand because the roots are all connected. One tree to another tree to another tree to another tree. The forest holds the trees up. And so together with God, we know his stamina and we know it not just individually but to know it corporately. Hence, we come back to the fact that our worship and our praise is witness. We do this together and not just individually. We bless God and God blesses us. It's this double blessing of praise and worship and gratitude. And so the invitation for you and for me is to live with thankful hearts. Honestly. To live with grateful hearts. To enter each day in a position of mindfulness And then not to be blown away by the hassles of the day, but to continue to remember who God is, who and what he's done for us in his goodness. He is so, so good. So if we have these problems, it doesn't blow that away. God is so, so good through it all. And so this Thanksgiving Sunday is a time to call us to know and to experience his life and to say yes to him. And when we do that, we offer back a blessing to God because our lives then become a service rendered to him. He blesses us, and then we also bless him. And then that blessing f- spills out to others so that they come into this impact of who God is and what he's done. So that's the invitation. So this Thanksgiving weekend, be with your friends, be with your family, and live with a spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness because that will help you. It will also help your family as you say yes. So may we say yes together and know him and know his love this Thanksgiving Sunday. May that kick us, encourage us, help us along to live knowing that the Lord is my shepherd indeed, your shepherd indeed. And I offer you these words, in Jesus' name, amen.